theology is built on the power of story, and we believe story can change the world. We also know that being in community with one another on this journey will help us build a movement committed to collective liberation and a more loving world. We have a commitment to the ethics and politics of Incahunto, or togetherness. And we are together in this work with you. Hi, folks. This is Dr. Robin. Hi, y'all. This is Reverend Anna Galladay. And we are your hosts for the Activist Theology Podcast. It's time for us to get our hands dirty. We're ready. Are you? I show up so early. They show me no mercy. So I just keep working. Maybe God could Well, hey, Pastor. Hey, Dr. Robin. Hi, everyone out in sequestered, we can't go anywhere world. How is everybody? Are we self-isolating? Are we flattening the curve? Is are anyone we, are quarantined? We, are we doing all the things? Yes, yes. Are we doing all the things? It's been um, a crazy week. It's it's really, I mean, I think all of us are navigating something that we haven't seen before in, at least in, in my lifetime and in my yeah. context. I don't doubt that there are people who may be listening that have gone through you know, some kind of, of quarantine of some sort, but at least for me as a, you know, white Gen Xer, this is, this is all new to me. Yeah, me too. I'm figuring it out as I go. And even, even as we are recording this podcast, I'm watching my grocery order, whether or not things are in stock or not, they notify me. Yeah. And there, I went Thursday to the grocery store and got a few things. Um, the closest grocery store that we have is Whole Foods. So I went there and the shelves were empty. So I got as much as I could. And now I'm trying to get a little bit more like essentials, you know, like what can I make that I can eat for like three or four days, you know, like spaghetti, casseroles, corned beef and cabbage, you know. Look, and I was joking with you yesterday, but I was a little bit serious. I have a brand new pressure cooker yeah. that I haven't figured out how to use yet, uh-huh. mainly because I haven't needed to figure out how to use it. And right. my husband and I haven't had the occasion to kind of break it out and, you know, kind of do anything fun with it. But right. I legit may find that every piece of frozen chicken in my freezer um finds its way into the pressure cooker over the next yeah. week or two weeks. Um, you might develop might, some new recipes. I might be getting super creative on all yeah. the things that I can cook in my Ninja Foodie because I'm not going to have any other option. I'm going to literally have to dig to the bottom of the freezer and say, oh, you know what? I don't really know how long that's been in there, but at least if it's been in the freezer, it's, I mean, it, it may not have ideal flavor, but it's safe. Right, right, right. <laughs> I might be one of those people. But yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but this is how we survive the coronavirus. It is. It's um, it's an. It, it, these are interesting times, and I think yeah. we have to. You know, we've got to give ourselves slack. Got to you know show ourselves a little grace. None of us have gone through this before. None of us know how to navigate it. Everyone is stressed. Everyone is uncertain. Um, everybody is doing the absolute best they can, and. We may not think it's their best, but I know it's their, I like, we know we're doing our best. Like yeah. we may, their best may not look like our best, but right. I have to rest assured that we're all doing our best. Yeah. And, and we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. Um, we are, I mean, we're resilient. I worry a lot for, you know, the communities, um, around us you know, on the margins and on the margins of the margins that are already struggling with, yeah. um, you know, with food security and, um, and, and health Housing security, and all the things, but, um, you know, I mean, this is, this is where we are to, you know, be the best versions of ourselves. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you what, you know, we may be, we may be asked to, quarantine ourselves from large gatherings and public spaces, but in no way does that keep us from offering care to our neighbor and 
a, a hand to those that need it. And social media may end up being one of our, our greatest gifts during this yeah. because we will be able to mobilize in ways that right. are needed in order to help, help get folks, you know, what they need. I don't know. And there's, well, I mean, and there's already a lot of different groups on Facebook that are providing care and, um, I'm a, I'm a member of a clergy one. I'm a member of a professor one. You know, everyone's trying to create communal care and that's really what we need to be doing. And I, and I know that as a team, the Activist Theology Project focuses on the ethics of togetherness. And in this moment that is so uncertain and we don't know what is around the corner, we're just trying to flatten the curve and do what we can to self-isolate and practice social distancing. But what we don't want to do is turn that into social isolation. And so we're really focusing on togetherness and building folds of togetherness with one another as best as we can. I would really prefer that we stop using the term social distancing. Yeah. I would prefer that we use the term physical distancing. Yeah. Um, because I think that, that using the, the phrases social and distancing together kind of gives this, gives us this unspoken permission to affirm loneliness and to affirm, mm-hmm. um, segregation and to affirm isolation. And I, I just, I just don't believe that that's, that's what's necessary right now, nor do I think that it is the thing that is going to help us survive. Right. So we're trying to flip that narrative and talk about social solidarity and physical distancing in this moment. And thankfully, our somatics curator, embodiment curator, sent out um, a message around embodiment and how we how we actually be with ourselves during this time. And it was it was really great. One went out on Monday. Another one went out on Tuesday. We'll continue to send out helpful messages, look for those on our socials. Uh, but really, we just wanted to come today uh, in the midst of COVID-19 crisis and talk about social solidarity and how do we foster togetherness and and really the power of friendship and camaraderie in these moments are particularly useful in a world that longs for belonging and longs to not be isolated. I want to make sure before we get too far into this conversation around social solidarity that we all um, agree on what we're talking about when we say social solidarity. Um, there's a um, famous French philosopher, Durkheim, who did a ton of study in the late 1800s on social solidarity. I mean, he kind of coined the phrase. Um, but his work was really centered around uh, the division of labor in society and rules around how um, labor and societal method actually shows up in in yeah. communities. That is not what we're talking about. Now, some right. of you who know Durkheim and 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 have studied his work uh, might think that might have thought when you saw the title of the podcast that that's what we were going to be talking about. But I want, I just want to make it clear for anybody who kind of has that perspective as a sociologist or as someone who um, has come across Durkheim in their studies that that is not the path we're going to be taking. We're, we are going to be looking at, um, at social solidarity as it relates to us as a communal body of people and the ways in which we are to be with one another, what togetherness uh, needs to look like. So yeah. just, to, just to be clear about that for any of you. No, that's good. There. No, that's good because we do have some nerds that listen to our podcast right. and we want to be clear. Shit, I co-host it with a nerd, so. <laughs> um, you do co-host with a nerd. I do. Um, so, so. What do we mean by togetherness and how can we foster togetherness in this moment? It's, it's one thing to go online and to send a tweet. It's another thing to actually foster a relationality of togetherness, uh, which is really what we're trying to do in these moments. Um, and so what are, what are some of the things that come to your mind that 
Well, I was doing point? a little reading about about solidarity and and our our desire for togetherness and and the, the components of or the necessities that that kind of allow us to foster that kind of that kind of scenario. Um, the Health and Human Rights Journal has a really great definition around social solidarity, and I'd, I'd like to offer it, and then we can break it down or kind of change it for our own purposes, maybe, you know, challenge it a little. Um, but mm-hmm. I'd love to hear what you think about this, Robin. Yeah. So um, solidarity is an element of human association that emphasizes the cohesive social bonds that hold a group together which is valued and understood by all the group members. There are different motives for solidarity. For some, solidarity is um, motives might be affection or shared norms or shared beliefs. And for others, uh, solidarity may mean norms that are around rational choice or self-interest. But above all, solidarity requires trust, altruism and reciprocity in order for it to become the fullest version of itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that, I think that the, the things, the thing that rings truest is trust. And in the midst of uncertainty, it would seem hard to foster trust with the unknown and with the uncertainty. Um, but this is really where we shine in our work around bridging across lines of radical difference. Right. And, and a withness, bridging with difference. And so I think that activist theology is really poised to be in this work and help flip the script and really be present in these moments. And, and build the kind of solidarity that isn't just affirming differences or, or, um, choosing like-mindedness, but really being at the heart of what it means to be community. Right. And, and now unfortunately that means that we're going to have to, it's going to be mediated through a screen. But that is for our safety. That's for to flatten the curve. That's to stop spreading the the virus. Um, and these are scary times. And it's okay, it's okay to be scared. But what we what we don't need to forget is that we we still have to figure out how to be human with one another and be in relationship with one another in the midst of this. Right. And 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 the the trust factor is a challenge when we are face to face with one another. Right. I mean, it, it is some. I mean, it is it is hard enough when we can sense one another's energy and 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 feel the 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 currents of one another bouncing off of of from ourselves to them and and vice versa. It, it, it is even, as you say, more going to be more challenging when we are doing it through screens and and text messages and podcasts and and yeah. any number of distance centric mediums. Mm-hmm. And it's going to require us to both foster a sense of care for ourselves in making sure that we are you know, managing the ways we trust others well, right. not, not making, you know, assumptions on, on trust and, and, and being too trustful in, in mm-hmm. advance of, of relationship, but also that we are giving one another, um, an element of grace that we may not have felt we needed to afford before. Right. Because we have so many of these other emotion, emotions bottled up behind the fact that we're distanced mm-hmm. um, physically. Um, yeah. it, it, I mean, every single thing that is happening to us in our bodies and in our minds and in our hearts right now 
whether it comes from a space of anxiety or it comes from a space of, of fear or it comes from a space of irritation, it, it has the ability to disintegrate uh, mm. trust, whether it's in its infant stages or whether it's long developed. Right. And, and we've got to be real mindful that I, I would love for us to give one another just a, a little bit more grace than normal. That's the pastor in me. That's, that's my yeah. pastor speak, but it really is the case. I mean, I, you know, I want, I want us to feel as if we are giving one another the benefit of the doubt that we really mm-hmm. are trying to do our absolute best in, in these well, times. I mean, it speaks to me because the theologian and ethicist in me says we need to care for one another. And the ways that we can care for one another and really promote an ethics of care is to give one another the benefit of the doubt. And we're all stressed. We, we, we've never seen this before. This is unprecedented in our lifetime. Right. Like we can finally use that word and not roll our eyes at it. Right. I mean, every right. time that word it was said or has been said in the last, you know, three and a half years of this, you know, shit show presidency, I've, right. I've been like, oh, okay, yes, unpre- everything, everybody thinks everything is unprecedented. Right. This is, I mean, this is really a first. This yeah. is really a first. And God, we're going to screw some things up. I mean, we, there are things we're going to get wrong. Yeah. But, but if we can get anything right, can it be the way we are with one another? Can that be the thing we get right? Yeah, and I I think about, I've been watching the news a lot. So as a five on the Enneagram, I like to take in as much information as I can and get the data and read. And Yes, you do. And I was watching a show on MSNBC. I can't remember which one it was. Oh, it was the Richard Engel um, around coronavirus. I don't know if you saw that. But um, they were talking about how... It was a Chinese doctor who alerted the public to this new virus and he was punished for telling the truth. And I want us in a time of draconian law and in a time of impending authoritarian rule, let us continue to tell the truth to one another because the truth will set us free. The truth is about liberation and I will die for liberation. We need not hold back the truth. We need to tell the truth because truth also fosters trust. Now, how do you, how do you tell the truest truths while while also fostering healing and care is, is an, is a different conversation. Right. When you're talking about radical difference. Yeah. That can be a really, really delicate tightrope. I yeah. mean, talk about, yeah. you know, balancing a, a balancing act. Well, and I have Chinese friends who are already facing more xenophobia and racism. And so I'm, you know, I'm trying to reach out to my Asian American friends and, and try to offer support and care. But, you know, there is a mechanism already in place that is causing more oppression. And so how do we tend to these systems that are causing oppression in a way that transforms oppression into liberation? And one of the ways that I think we can do that is telling the truth, being honest, practicing an ethics of care as much as we can, and really believing that love will be the revolution that gets us through this. Right. I think. I, I don't, I don't at all disagree. I think it, I think it will, I mean, it, it is going to be up to us how we, how we do this. And if we do right. it well, how do you advise? So one of us on this podcast is a radical extrovert who ditches yes. when she can't get out of the house. One of us is a radical introvert who wants nothing more than to sit on their couch with a book and not have to exit their home uh, for any reason um, and and would much prefer people come to them. Um, You guys out there in podcast world can figure out which one of us is is being described by which uh, by by which uh, (laughs) description. But uh, 
How, so here, here's my, here's a, a practical question. Yeah. How do we take into account the ways we are as individuals in trying to do social solidarity well? Meaning, how does someone like me, oh, I just gave it away, who <laughs> who really wants nothing more than to step outside and to get in my vehicle and take my dog to the dog park or um, go have a beer with my friend at the bar, how do I practice social solidarity in a way that is comfortable and genuine for me? And how do you as someone who is on the absolute opposite end of that spectrum, yeah. practice social solidarity in a way that is genuine to you. Um, yeah, it's a good there's question. So many, there's a lot in between. Um, yeah. But, I, but those are the kinds of questions I think people really have is, yeah, sure, we know it's necessary. We know we have to figure this out. We know that the likelihood is that we know, you know, we may have two weeks in our head right now, but I mean, already the CDC is recommending eight weeks. Right. And, and, and what, like, what does that even look like? Right. And, and what are we, what are we going to do when towns actually have to shut down? When restaurants and bars have to shut down? When grocery stores, even grocery stores that deliver shut down? Like, yeah. what are we going to do? And how do we do it being the truest versions of ourselves in ways that, that, still continue to bridge and offer grace to one another. Well, I think there's a lot of disappointment for for both sides, for both introverts and extroverts. I know for myself, I was really looking forward to coming to Chattanooga and working with you and being in person. Um, and even though I'm intensely introverted and have to take a siesta every day and do so for my well-being, I knew that I was going to be in your company. And so there's a level of disappointment on my end that I don't get to do that for, I don't know when I'll get to do that, you know, because what we know is breaking martial law and, you know, driving up and down the interstate anyway. Right. But, you know, hashtag we are those people. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I am concerned about is we actually don't know how long this is going to last. And so, um, what does that mean for, for those of, I mean, I mean, my girlfriend and I are supposed to move in April and to a new apartment. And so, which would be great because it would each give us our own space right. in case we did have to quarantine. Uh, but as of right now, I'm having to share space with another human 24 yeah. seven. And, and the only thing I can do is go to sleep, but I can't sleep all day. You know, I've got work to do. So I'm a bed to differ. Well, I mean, I can't sleep all day, but I try not to sleep all day. But I think there, I think, I think there's a lot of disappointment on both sides and there's a lot that we're going to have to figure out because in as much as I, um, can stay home and not go out, I am very concerned with those of our kindred spirits who are in hotspots. I think about Kelly Brown in Seattle, who's pastor of Plymouth Church. I think about Jeff Kochi, who's on our advisory board in a hotspot in New York City. And so I am very introverted, but what I have been doing is just reaching out incessantly to people Mm -hmm. and seeing how they are. And even I reached out to you recently and asking if you were staying in and if you were getting out and where you were going, because I want to make sure that my people are safe. And normally, normally I wouldn't have to mother hen on the text, you know, but our daddy hen. <laughs> that, okay. That just threw me off a minute. Daddy hen feels, feels better. Mother hen is appropriate, but yeah. You get what I'm saying. I get what but, you're saying. But, but I, I have felt, uh, I have felt a responsibility to my people and, um, wanting to be present with folks and, that is stretching me because, you know, I can offer presence for some, for some things, but, but I don't offer presence 24 hours. Right. You know, you know, it's interesting. I, as an extrovert, am actually not, um, as fond of, uh, 
text as communication as many others are. I, I don't know. I don't know of any research. I know that there, I'm sure there is, but I don't know of it. I, I would much rather, you know, have a conversation with someone, whether it's over Zoom or not necessarily on the phone, but on the phone possibly, but mainly in person. Like I want to be with people. I want to talk right. with people. I want to engage face to face. You are actually much better at texting. Um, and, you know, kind of starting conversations and, um, nudging communication. Um, and I wonder, is that because of, because you're an introvert? I mean, is that? I mean, a, I think so. I think yeah, so. I mean, I, I would, I would much rather talk to someone on my phone via text than be in person because being in person wears me out. Now, I do love being with people on occasion, right? Um, but, but yeah, I mean, if I had my druthers, I, I would just be on my computer reading and, yeah. and texting all day. I already know that this lack of physical interaction that I am poised to have, what I am assuming my next, you know, I mean, could be as little as seven days, could be as little as, you know, 60 days. I don't know. I already know the way that that will affect me from yeah. a, from an anxiety standpoint, from a depression standpoint. Yeah. I, I will, um, I, it, this is not going to be comfortable or easy for me in any, in any way. You know, there's a funny meme going around the internet saying, you know, CDC says, you know, stay at home, don't go out. Um, introverts say we've been waiting, like we've been waiting our whole, we've been preparing our whole lives for this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I am not one of those people. Yeah. Sure. I am, I am, I am already full of anxiety yeah. over a not over, over wondering how my body and my being will react to this. Yeah. I think, I think that there are a lot of people who are, this is new for them. This is a new curve and we don't know how to be with this situation. And I think there are also a lot of people who are, um, in addition to the social anxiety that this is causing, it's causing a lot of financial, economic anxiety. And there are people who, I mean, I, I feel like this will decimate the working poor class. Yes. It'll decimate those of us who are working. And it will decimate small businesses. Yeah. Those of us who are working three and four jobs, mainly women of color who are, doing childcare. I mean, we, we need, I mean, what is, what is our societal plan? And I'm not talking about ideology here, but what is our plan as human beings to respond to that? Because this will, this will do some damage, just like you say, to small businesses to independent contractors, to people like me and you. I mean, thankfully we can do our work at home, but all of my gigs have canceled. Yeah. I mean, I, my, my small little, you know, or, I mean, small, it's a small little, you know, apparel business, which yeah, sure. I can, I can, uh, I can engage in, in online orders, but I was, I was registered for, five different festivals over the right. next eight weeks and every single one of them has been canceled. Right. Every single one of them ha represents a significant loss of income for me. Right. I don't know what will happen as a result of that. And, and it's, it's very scary. Yeah. And that's and where we are. I, will, I will likely still be okay. Right. Um, there are many others among us that, that will in no way, um, you know, be able to work their through their way through this. And it's, it is right. very scary. Um, so what are your recommendations for people like you? What are, what are your, 
best practices or things that you would recommend um, folks like you who, you know, don't mind staying at home, who aren't, um, aren't as, don't feel the, the, the anxiousness over mm-hmm. not being able to go out. Yeah. What are your, what are your recommendations for folks on how they use this time to, um, engage with other people? What, what, what suggestions would you have? Yeah. So I, I think it's a great question because we need to be thinking about what are our gifts right now and, and how do introverts and extroverts actually come together to, to become the power ambivert. And I think one of the greatest things that introverts can be doing is just reaching out to all their friends and checking in on them. I put on Twitter the other day, queer the quarantine, drink bourbon and text your friends. <laughs> and, and let's, let's really think critically about how we do engagement. Like, okay, so we're self isolating. We're doing physical distancing. But we are actually remaining engaged. And so I would really encourage the introverts who listen to this podcast to remain engaged to the level that feels good to you and and be a caring presence for those who may be having anxiety. You know, you never know. You you know, introverts also live with anxiety. And of course. And so I didn't make it seem like you didn't. I just Yeah, yeah. But, but, but there, I think there are a lot of people who are just trying to figure out how to be with this new situation. And I think one of the best things we can do is start querying the quarantine and start reaching out. And I, you know, I told Jeff Kochi in New York because he's actually an extrovert and is, and, and is a lot like you, like he's, he's having to work from home. He, it's really working on him. And so I said, well, I'm going to text you every day and you better text me back, you know? Um, I think that's, I, I am very bossy, but that's what we can be doing is we can, we can physically distance, but the ways that we can foster solidarity is by remaining engaged. And when we remain engaged, we build trust with those who are on the other, other end of the screen. What about you? What are, what are some of the things that you can be doing to to reach out to your fellow extroverts who you know I think, may or may not. I think it's going to require a level of creativity quite honestly I mean we somebody like me and and there are extroverts that are you know different than me and and similar to me but I mean you know in in my instance I, I mean I think I I need to recognize that um regardless of my level of anxiety and the way that I might want to retreat um, from forms of communication that aren't as fun for me. Um, I, I, I need to kind of encourage myself to engage in those. Uh, I, you know, when you text me a lot, I, I need to be, you know, responsible and respond. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it's not, and I don't not respond because I'm like, I don't want to say what, or talk to you. I just, you know, I'm busy doing things and I'm a seven, yeah, and and you know, like it's not, prefer, it's not a preferred way to communicate. Right. I mean, but, you know. but I think that, you know, I, I think that, I think that extroverts are going to need to use a level of creativity. I think that we are, I think that those of us that, that don't use FaceTime regularly should start using it. Um, regularly. I think FaceTime on your phones and, and your devices is a great way to, you know, be in touch with people and, and, and engage as close in proximity as you can. I mean, for, for an extrovert, there's something about body language and facial reaction and, and the way in which we like sense the other person. In, yeah. in conversation, uh, FaceTime and Zoom and Skype are all ideal ways to to do that. And so, if if that is if that has not been a preferred means of communication for you, I encourage you to try it out. Try it out with one of your beloved. Try it out with you know someone that that you are are friends with. And I think you'll really come to understand how powerful it can be in 
starting to, you know, to, to, to loosen some of that, that yeah. anxiousness. Uh, but I also think that, you know, we are going to start to see a lot of, uh, creative resourcing pop up in, in our digital spaces. I mean, I have a, I have a friend who messaged me, um, yesterday saying, you know, we've seen all of these amazing ideas pop up from faith communities, uh, at, really out of necessity, but as a response to something that they had never had to think about before, whether it's, you know, churches that are hosting online worship services or pastors that are starting to do pastoral care via Skype video. Um, I mean, any number of things that have been out of the realm of necessity for communities that largely gather in person. Mm-hmm. And they just popped up a website yesterday right. to have faith communities from all across the world submit the ways in which they are responding and, mm-hmm. and the creative solutions. And they're going to make it into a searchable site where all of us in, in faith sectors can get, can, can start to kind of glean and, and, and reference these, these things in a central location instead of just kind of seeing them go by on our Instagram and our Twitter and our Facebook feeds and, and forgetting to save them for later. It, this is just going to become a resource that I think a lot of folks in faith in progressive faith circles have needed for a really long time. It's yeah. that kind of creativity that I think is going to start popping up out of, out of the need for us to maintain a level of connection. And I, I'm quite frankly, I'm really excited to see what happens and, and, and what possibilities kind of come out of the heads of people as they sit with, you know, being home for who knows how long. Well, you know, what, what I hear is that our habits need to change out of necessity. And I talk a lot about becoming and how becoming is related to change, but it's also related to our habits. And when we change our habits in a way that facilitates care, as this website will do, right? It will, it will provide care as a resource for people to know how to extend their their worship service or their faith communities. Right. But we're in a moment of becoming right now and we don't know what the new normal will be. We don't know if our government will shut down. We don't know if our country will shut down. We don't know what will happen, but we are in a moment of becoming and in an effort to be as grounded as we possibly can, we need to focus on changing our habits to those being habits of care. And as much as we can be with one another and extend grace to one another in, in a time that is truly, it, these are, this is a time of peril, really. Um, the death toll increases, the virus uh, numbers increase. Though there are 39 confirmed cases in Tennessee that could double tomorrow, so we we really need to um, focus on our habits and not just the habits of washing our hands, but the habits with one another and our relational habits. Do you have do you have a sense of or do you have a belief that we will do well at this? Do you, do you believe well, we have what it takes to become better versions of, of a better version of humanity? Well, that's always my hope, right? I mean, that's the next book that I'm working on around becoming embodied. That if we reshape our democracy, if we reshape how we treat each other, we will actually become better versions of ourselves. A lot of us have the tools. A lot of us don't have the tools. And so the responsibility is for us collectively to share resources and help one another. 
And this is where loving your neighbor comes in real handy. And being with one another. We, we actually don't know how to be with one another. Outside of coronavirus, much less inside coronavirus. And so we, we are on a, a steep learning curve on knowing how to be together with one another in the midst of perilous times that are uncertain. And I, but I'm, but I'm a person of great hope. And I, you know, that's, we're Easter people, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so this is a time to live into that God is in each of us and that we can connect with the divine, even though it's mediated through technology. One of the reasons why when we podcast, we FaceTime with each other is because we want to be embodied and we want to see the facial expressions and we want to be able to um, give faces to each other, you know? And so um, this is a time for us to lean into new habits of care. Yeah. Being I mean, together. I- you know, it's, it's easy to be skeptical. It's easy to be skeptical about whether we can pull this off. Um, yeah. whether we will come out of this a more embodied and a, and a, and a more, um, a better version of humanity than we find ourselves now. I mean, we're yeah. more politically divided than ever. We're more socially fragmented than ever. We're, way more skeptical of other people than we've ever been before. Mm. But I'm with you. I think, I think we have the capacity. It will take practice. We will have to, we will have to practice this work. I also would like to suggest that as we are, as we're considering how we, are with one another that we also, I take some time over these next weeks to um, learn more about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the, one of the sources that I, that I read um, about kind of how to kind of mitigate these feelings of, of isolation and, and being alone during these times, even if you're with a household full of family, um, is to, you know, really try to keep our routines as much as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, if your routine is that every day you get up and you shower and you eat breakfast and you go to work, then get up Monday through Friday and shower and eat breakfast and go to work. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're even at, if that means you're working at the kitchen table, correct. Uh, if, if your practice involves going to the gym after work every day at, five o'clock or, you know, going on a run at lunchtime, take a pause at lunchtime and, 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 or, or take a pause at the end of the day and, and go and, and in some way practice that habit that you enjoy or that your body needs in order to, to be a good version of itself. Um, you know, if you are someone who works and is able to limit the intake of media and news and Twitter feeds throughout your day, meaning if you've, if you've got a good system by which you, uh, limit the, the, the noise and the distraction, maintain that same level of, of consistency when you are in this new space doing your work. Um, because an overwhelming being overwhelmed by things that are not normally part of your week can, can really, really fuck with you. It really mess yeah. with your head. Yeah. And so I, I, I love the, I love the, the possibility for all of us that we have this capacity over the next several weeks to both fine tune our own selves and sink deeper into our own becoming as we are then also establishing new patterns by which we engage socially with one another across, across the lines, across the area, across, across the, the digital platforms. Yeah. And I think that, 
if we are committed to finding out if we will end up better off now than we were three or four weeks ago when we saw this kind of thing on the horizon and started to worry about it. I mean, it's going to take a bettering of both ourselves and of our practices with one another to get us there. Absolutely. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I've started praying again. And part of that, I know you don't flip out, don't lose your eyeballs, but I didn't, I didn't even say anything. I didn't want to be that person (laughs) as, as a pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm really so happy for you. (laughs) <laughs> but one of the reasons why I've heard a thing again, I would and, never and, say that to a parishioner, by the way. Right. But at meal times and at bedtime, I'm praying with my girlfriend as a way to set intention, mm. and a, and a way to remember those who are most vulnerable, and not not I'm not praying that God save us from the end times. No, it, it's more about. And my girlfriend reminds me of this, what we pay attention to grows. And Adrian Marie Brown writes about this. And so the more that we can pay attention to the intentions and the goals that we are setting, the more that will grow. And we need practice in that because we we live in such a fast-paced world where we're not paying attention to one another or ourselves. And so I'm trying to pay attention to, to the small things. And so some of that is coming out in prayer for me. I love that. Yeah, I think we, we have this, we have the potential during these times to envision and create and manifest newness. Yeah. And yet we also, um, know that there, there will be some sense of routine that has to be maintained in order for us to not lose our minds. That's right. And it's, and it's a, it's about, it will be a balance for all of us in understanding this and I, I don't always like this phrase, but I think it works here, this new normal, whatever normal will end up looking like for you over the next several weeks or months, perhaps. Um, but also giving yourself the space to dream and envision and manifest things that are so beyond anything your your time or your mind might have had the capacity for when you were overwhelmed by life. Yeah. And how are we able to do both of those things and then move that into a space where we are better with one another than we will ever be without. So one of the things that we wanted to mention, because I know that we're already going along on this, but one of the things we wanted to mention is that we're doing some community open zooms. And I know that you have the times written down in front of you. I don't, you know, friends, I think, I think all, all of us will have ways in which we connect with our friends, connect with people that we already are in community with. But I know a lot of you have a desire to hear more about the kind of work that's being done in the world around liberation, around solidarity and around bridging. And, and there are people in our network with ATP who, um, who may just want to get together and chat and say hello and, virtually toast their bourbons through the screen or whatever that looks like. And so we're, we're going to just host some space um, where we can get together and, and, and do that where we can first and, and most importantly get together and simply be with one another, simply be in social solidarity with one another, see one another's faces. Hopefully um, if, if you've got video capability, uh, hear one another's voices, share our, our, our needs and, and just simply be with, with each other. So we're going to be gathering on Friday, March 20th at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. if you're on the West Coast. And our, the Zoom links will be available on all of our social media, uh, channels as well as in any newsletter, newsletter communications that we send out this week. And then we'll also get together on Sunday, March 22nd at 3 p.m. Central. And so 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern and, and 1 p.m. Pacific. Pacific. And, and, and again, just to, just to get together, you know, there may be four or five of us. There may be 25 of us. 
But mm-hmm. if you're interested in kind of having some, some, some social solidarity with folks that, that are having the same dreams about becoming that you are, this will be a great place for you to do it. Yeah. So look for that on our socials. Yes. Um, if you want to be in touch with us, don't forget you can tweet us. You can Instagram DM us. You can Facebook message or, or post on our Facebook pages. You're also welcome to reach out to us through our website, activisttheology.com. Don't forget that activist and theology share a tea. Uh, if you uh, would like to sign up for the newsletter that Robin mentioned earlier in the podcast, you can do that through the website and it'll let you gain access to the communications we send out via email. If you are grateful for the work that we're doing in the world, and we hope you are, uh, we encourage you to uh, go to the Activist Theology website or visit activisttheology.kindful.com and support us in this work. You can support the podcast. You can support our work. You can support it with a one-time gift. You can support it with a $5 a month contribution if you want to give us one of your cups of bougie tea or lattes, donate one of those via kindful to us. That would be awesome. Yeah. And we look forward to seeing you on the zoom calls later this weekend. And if we don't see you there, we'll, we'll touch base with you next week. And remember, take your vitamins, drink your water, wash your hands, damn hands. Yes. Don't touch your face. (laughs) And which is much harder than it seems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do all the things. Um, but above all, check on one another and, check in on and, one another, yes. and, and care about one another because that's what's yes. going to make it possible for us to make it through this mess. That's going to make the difference. Let's get free, y'all. All right. Are you looking to connect the dots between what you think and how you live? Are you looking for a more robust way to be in solidarity with the movement? Are you looking to get your hands dirty with the work of social justice? Join Dr. Robin and Reverend Anna Galladay each week as they share, reflect, and analyze on pressing social concerns. Want to help support the podcast? Go to activisttheology.kindful.com and click on podcast. And remember, activist and theology share a T. The music you hear in this episode is Hands Dirty by Delta Ray, our friends. Our sound editor and engineer is Dan Medley from 10 South Sounds. Hands dirty, I show-